Hey, it's Brian Hayes. It used to stress me out when things would break in my house. Not anymore, though, and I'm sure you can guess why. Jiffy. The other day, my dryer stopped working. Out of the blue, zero heat. But I didn't panic. I just hopped on the Jiffy app. John came that afternoon, and all my wet laundry was dry in no time. Jiffy saved the day once again. Download the Jiffy app or sign up at JiffyOnDemand.com with the code SPORTS for $25 off your first job. Jiffy, fast and reliable, home maintenance. TSN 1050 on the TSN app, your home smart speaker. And up on TSN 4 later this afternoon, Brian Hayes, Zio Doug, Jeff O'Neill, Frankie Corrado. What's up, How boys? How we feeling, boys? I How we feeling? S- I saw something today. I texted the O-Dog right away, but there was a character that revealed himself this afternoon. I don't know if you guys have seen this character roaming around, but there was a guy in a blue BMW convertible with the top down today, and it was out Rageous. I love that guy because I, I need to know no, more about don't. that guy. That guy is so unnecessary. And that what is that guy's motive, Hayes? We tried to let's get on the same page today. We couldn't do it on the Danny Dimes. Mm-hmm. But tell me why that guy needs to do that. The only thing I can think of is technical difficulties. And it's his only wrong. Ride. The yeah, only technology thing I and stuff. Of, technology and stuff. <laughs> that somehow he couldn't get the hood up, or there was some set of some sort of malfunction, because there's no explanation no. for it. I mean, I, it's once freezing. again. I I think you're dead wrong with that. Really? I think he saw the sun come out, and he loves the looks. He loves the looks on mm-hmm. the DVP and the 427, and he saw the sun and said, "I'm going to kickstart this party for springtime in the GTA." He did like the sun. He had his shades on, and he had the slick, like the Ferrari slick hair. You know what I'm talking about? It's a little extra greasy, and there's not a hair out of place. It was dangerous. outrageous, dangerous yeah. though. It's like you. It's one thing for a side road, right? Like you shouldn't be driving with the hood down. You shouldn't have your window even cracked. Even if you smoke, it's windows up season still, right? It's cold enough where generally it's windows up season. But if you're on a side, there's no excuse for it, no explanation for it. It's freezing. It's March. I don't care if the sun's up or not. You should I'll not have what, Hazy. the top the part- down. The partners <laughs> or whoever else sits and puts up with windows up darts, they're looking forward to spring more than anyone. They really are. It's a kumbaya, isn't it? Kumbaya. More like than this. we want the Stanley Cup playoffs, they want windows down dart season. Yes. Yeah. The equivalent of the Masters jingle is the spring hitting in the window yes. <laughs> being released. It's they plug their problem, iTunes though. into the car and have the Masters <laughs> birds chirping, and then they pull the window down. Dude, April, mid-April, dart guy is everyone else's problem now because you're sitting there at a red light, and you're just you're getting everyone else's dart smell from around you, and it's now coming into your car. It's everywhere, yeah. It's, it's not just released. the partner's problem anymore. It's everyone's problem. No, it's, it's like when they announce a new pope, right? Like, there's just different colors of smoke and stuff like that you just you get smoke into the into the atmosphere in the spring right it's it's dark guy revealing himself to the world that he's back and uh uh, windows have been released like that suction sound it just it must sound like a jackpot at a casino right if you're subjected to darts with the windows up all winter but i can't explain you know 
the, the top being down. I, I really can't when it's still cold. It's still March. Dude, it was a four-club wind today. Like, legitimately yeah. four-club wind. And this yeah, guy exactly. was top down. And if you're on the highway, it, it is even crazier. Like, I think we've all been in convertibles, but if you're on a highway, like, it's a heavy amount of wind, dude. Like, a heavy amount of wind. It's just something about... Like, when I had the Ferraris cooking, it's... Like, when the snow is gone and that road is dry, like, you want the Ferrari on the road. And you could crank up the heat and have the top down, and you're good. It's all about... It's ego. It's ego. <laughs> you, of course Like, last is. year's trade deadline, I'm like, you know what? Beautiful sunny day. I looked at the, the, the weather app in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to fire up the Ferrari, bring it in for Trade Center. It's like you, you got to do it. It's like a it, it's like Augusta National. It's it's like it's opening up a season. Yeah, I suppose. But the idea of having a convertible with the heat jacked is just it's such a it is outrageous. Logic. It is outrageous. Yeah, it, it really is. But it's getting there, right? Like we got the players. We're gonna have picks later this afternoon. Todd Lewis will join us from the Golf Channel, and uh, you know there's a there's gonna be a lot of big players, a lot of big names, and a lot of money on the line. Right, like I don't know if I still don't think that matters. It doesn't to me, as a viewer. I don't care if they're playing for five bucks or if they're playing for five million. You know, it's great for the players. The players have all admitted to that. Live is factored in. Live's making money. PGA's making money. But I just want you know a quality leaderboard, and I want action. I want action going into the weekend. I want action on the back nine on Sunday. But it is a big part of the conversation, and it certainly was last year. I think last year, or the year before, is when they really jacked it. Like, it kept going up year over year, yeah. the players. And, and now I think it's the winner takes home $4.5 million or $5 million. And it's a crazy amount of cash. You notice you notice how a lot of, like, the chatter between Liv and PGA as far as the PGA guys saying, like, we're going to not quote-unquote, but, like, essentially saying, like, we're not going to back down from these guys. We're going to do everything we can to kind of defeat these guys now. It's a little... It's calmed down quite a bit. It now. softened a lot because they got what they wanted. Yeah. Rory and all of them were like, "Man, we're going to make a fortune here off the PGA Tour." Yeah, they're Dude, not they angry are anymore. Gonna, think about how fired up the caddies are, man. You get a chance to play for a five million dollar close to it winner check every yeah. week. You're teeing it up. Well, remember that interaction between Justin Thomas and his caddy a couple of years ago, where the, the caddy was doing like Kirk Gibson fist pumps through the clubhouse and basically crying. Because he knew he was getting ten percent of three and a half sheets, you know. Would I do the math? That guy's walking home with like three hundred fifty grand. Oh yeah, like that's a that's a big payday. Dude, for the what about if your guy wins East Lake? Like huge 15 money, fifteen million dollars. To say nothing of what they've won to get there, right? Yeah. Like if you're in the lead at East Lake and you're at the Tour Championship, like Rory's guy, John Rahm's already made. John Rahm's caddy could retire for life already <laughs> based on probably what he's made. For you know, three through, months of work. For Dude, three months of work. And that's that's the crazy thing with these these like winnings that are going around now. Like it's four and a half million this year at the players if you win. Is that not more than what Tiger made his first two years combined on yeah, the tour? I thought oh, I read yeah, that they're, today. It, they're it's gonna crazy. Lap. Tiger. Yeah. It's gonna be fascinating to talk to Todd Lewis. I think we're speaking with him later today. Yeah. Because it seems like, and I don't have a ton of sympathy, but I could understand some griping. Like, the lesser lights are kind of bitching and complaining about the format, and it's pretty simple. The stars drive it. Like, that's the business. 
and they're the spotlight guys, and everybody wants to watch them. And the no cuts, Scotty Scheffler brought up a good point. I, I think I believe it, guys, where they're like, if there's a fan of me and I'm not playing well, it's not like I'm missing the cut and he can still come out and watch me play on the weekend. I don't know if that was like a backup answer to the truth, which is I want to be paid no matter what, probably, but it does make some kind of sense. I think it's a scenario where both can be true, where Scheffler wants to be paid regardless, feels like yes. he deserves it because he moves the needle, which he does, but that is a big part of the TV components. You want you know TV companies to pay big money? you got to guarantee these guys are playing. Yeah, so yeah. I could see them play. Uh, yeah. Much like Tiger, when he's not in contention, they're still so, showing some of his golf shots. I guess the same could be true for a Rom, a Cantlay. If they're in the back of the pack and they hit an unbelievable shot, you can still go to. But it. that's it's that's the. I think that's the thing. Like you just said it there, a Rom, a Cantlay. Like when Tiger was doing his thing, there was one and only Tiger. Not to discredit what Scotty's done, Rory, Rom, all these guys. But it feels like they're a little more close together as far as like being in the same pack. Where if Scheffler's not in on the weekend, your attention just kind of goes to Spieth or JT or whoever, and you don't feel like it's that big of a drop off. Yes, there's no question. None of these guys are in the same hemisphere as what Tiger was. Not and even none John Rom ever will. No, not no, Rom. Not we'll Rory, never see that not again. Thomas. None of them will. Uh, but still, collectively, maybe it it matches up. So Todd Lewis later this afternoon, Trey Wingo later this hour. Um, the Leafs are, are back home. They've been on the road for a while, and it was an emotional road trip. In the end, it's a 3-2 and two roadie, right? They go 3-2 and two on the road. Um, they had a ups and downs. They got through the trade deadline. They had some crazy scenes on the road of Sandine coming off the ice and Pierre Engvall leaving, new guys coming in. Um, but in the end, it's 3-2. Uh, on this five game road trip, seemed to you like it was seven weeks long. It Dude, felt I was like just the longest that. road trip of the year. It did, and again, I think because wow. of the action, because it revolved around the trade deadline. I know. And how I think long last was that night, road trip? Is that an eight day or is, is it a seven day or like we used it to seems do? Like Springsteen was a month ago. Dude, we used to do when I was in Vancouver. We would do two weeks, like a couple times a year. But that seemed for like sure. this. This one just felt light, like like it was longer. I feel like it was never ending for well, those guys. Sunday night are in Seattle, so they would have flown out, you know, the Saturday, and they get back on a Tuesday night. So you know, do the math. You're looking at nine, ten days for sure. And last night may have been the signature win of the season. You know, probably recency bias. You, you can, I'm sure, come up with a number of them over the course of the year, and there's still time for them to add to that list. But New Jersey's a good team. They came out playing, man. They came out rocking. And last night was, I think, what a lot of people were waiting to see. The big boys decide, like, we're going to dictate how this game is going to be played. And it started with Samsonov, who takes a shot off the pills and warm-up. He could have pulled the shoot, and he didn't Easily pull the shoot. Easily could have pulled the shoot. Easily could have pulled the shoot. Made a note of commenting publicly, I'm not going to pull the shoot, which I found interesting. Um, even though broken English and who knows in terms of, you know, I don't know who he was directing that at. I don't know if it was directed at anyone in particular anyway, but made a note of saying, I'm, I'm playing, and it's playoff time soon, and I'm ready to go. I thought that was an incredible response for a guy that's probably been hearing the noise about Murray's return, Murray's pedigree. He's got the two cups. Samsonov wants the net, and that's what he should be striving for, right? You want that internal competition. He has not been strong on the road. He was spectacular last night. Those two backdoor stops he made in consecutive order early in the first last night, the one on Hughes. Could have been 4 nothing in the first, man. Easily, 
easily. He was outstanding last night. And then you've got Marner, who just keeps doing what he's been doing. I mean, that shorty was incredible. He played almost 26 minutes, I believe, last night. So this guy's on another level right now. And just he is. The, the, the thing on Samsonov, right, and we always kind of like bring it back to the playoffs. If you get a period like that against Tampa Bay and that guy is able to make some saves that he shouldn't necessarily make and he buys a little time for these guys to get their legs going like they needed last night, that's the difference. Like, you're not going to go ahead and, and outdo Vasilevsky on many nights, but if you just give your, your team that little bit extra, that's, that's what they need. Yep. Like, that's how you get that competitive advantage. I agree with you, and that's exactly what he offered last night. And that's Now, they're going to need that in the third period of a game seven at some yeah. point too, right? Like it's got to be spread out. You got to get it at both end of the ends of the spectrum. But you're right, Frankie, that especially with the way the Leafs have performed in the playoffs, and even if you just look at what happened against Tampa last year, they had a great game one. They fell asleep in game two. They had a really good game three. They fell asleep in game four. It was like they couldn't stay in it for some reason. They, right. They couldn't activate a consistent effort. And and I don't recall what happened early in those games in terms of how Campbell played. But if it is Samsonov, and as of now, based on how he's played, it should be. That doesn't mean it will be. We'll see what the Leafs decide to do with Murray. He's got time to play. I think he's going to play on Saturday against Edmonton. But Samsonov has been there. He's been consistent. He's been very good. He's been great at home. So he's done pretty much everything he possibly can. But to make those stops early, to allow them to weather the storm and then come alive with Marner, Matthews closes it, I think Yarncroke has been really good recently. Yeah. And, you know, we spent a lot of time about Michael Bunting yesterday. He scores that one goal. He pulls a decoy on the winner. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's enough for him to start playing 17, 18, 19 minutes starting Dude, Saturday night, I think but that's it's a good mass, start. Like, that's, that's kind of the coach saying, I truly believe that it's, it's being a little bit harsh on the guy because – he he's got the antics going and his production can slow down and he might cough the puck up, but it's like they got some guys and Engball was one of them when he was here and Kerfoot's another one where they can sleepwalk through eight or nine game segments and nothing said at all. And it used to bug me when it was like, Okay, you wanna bring it to my attention but maybe the coach understands that he can handle the criticism, but he showed the coach. He said, You know what, screw you and I'm going to go out there and play a game. So he deserves yeah. to get a spot back. It just seems like there's other guys that can go sleepwalking for a long stretch, and there's not a peep. There's well, not a line adjustment. There's not squat. But for some reason, it happens to him. And again, maybe it's the coach that's understanding. And Hayes, you said one thing that, that got me a little bit. When we're talking about the Leafs and, and redeeming themselves in the playoffs, and we always say... In the third period of a game seven, they got to come up big. Do you know what they can do? They can win a they can win a series in five. Give it a shot. Why not? Good teams can can beat another good team in five games. How about six? Why though? not make like how anything? Many times have they had the opportunity in game six? And that was the thing I was saying last year. If they don't win it in game six and it goes to seven, they are so in their heads they're going to lose that game. 
Like, that's the, the mindset that these well, guys are in. You need to find a way to steal one. Yes, I, I agree with you. I was just being literal in terms of the different. No, I understand, but yeah. I, that's all the talk one. in this city. It's like, okay, they got to come up big in, like, overtime in game six or seven. You could win a series before that if you want. Well, you could that make would be life ideal. a lot easier. <laughs> yes. That would be ideal, and that, that would be, I think, something – that would really change the tide. Quite frankly, even if they were to lose in five, it would be different, right? Like, it always goes to seven. It always goes to the end. So, so some mini sort of quiz, Mini quiz, would you prefer an OT loss in seven or a four-game sweep in the loss category? Oh. <laughs> it's crushing either way, I think. I, I still think you'd, you'd What would go crush to your soul more? Well, I think the, the seven would be more crushing because here's the reality. Once they were down three, everyone would pack it in and say they're, they're done. That's, that, this is who they are. It's over anyway. They're screwed, right? Like if, if, if they're down three-nothing and they go to a game four, there isn't a person on earth that will think they'll win that game. No. So. It, it will all already have been concluded, the emotions uh, and, and how everyone felt. And everyone would be putting the cart before the horse in terms of what's going to happen and how people are going to react and what moves are going to come. Where if it goes to a game seven, then there's been battles. You know, there's yeah. been ups and downs and there's unpredictability. And It comes um, out of nowhere, man. You're going into that game seven thinking this is the one. And then, you know, same old story. But I like the, the thing that I liked about that game last night is the fact that New Jersey came out early. They dictated the game. The goaltender kept them in it. And it wasn't pretty. But at the end of the day, you need to find a way to win games that you're not necessarily dictating. That's been something like this team has over the past few years. If they're good right at the start of the game, it's great. It's smooth sailing. It's a nice, clean, tidy victory. Those are the ones they've struggled with. And this year, actually, they've done a better job of winning those games, and that's another example of that last night. Listen, you're not going to win every single one, right? Like, you go into Vancouver, there's one that you're in the game and you let it go in the third period. But if you're on the right side of those more often than not, your record will reflect that, and right now it does. Yeah, and last night without Tavares, uh, without O'Reilly, you're, you're coming back from a West Coast swing and Jersey's healthy and they can fly. And I, I think it was interesting even if you just look at the minutes played and specifically the five-on-five -five minutes. Now, Marner played 25-55 last night. That is a massive amount of time on ice. He had almost seven minutes on special teams. Right, He had a bunch of time on the power play, a bunch of time on the penalty kill. He scores that shorthanded goal, which was a beauty. Um, but you look at just simply five-on-five five ice time. Marner played 19-14, even strength. Matthews played 18-43. So basically, Keefe went to those two and said, We're, you guys have to be horses tonight. Like, Why not? I, you have to be horses for tonight. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of good for be. them saying, uh, no Tavares, no O'Reilly. Hey, fellas, let's get her going here. And they yeah. did. They responded. What, they what did. are they doing in Edmonton with Dreisaitl and McDavid? Same thing. You need to win a game. You look at the ice time after, McDavid played 25 minutes, and Dreisaitl was right behind him. Yep. Same thing. Those are the two guys, right? Like, as good as Tavares is, as good as Willie is and has been, as good as O'Reilly is, you know, you, you can filter down the whole team. The, the guys, you know, the, the two straws that, that stir the drink here, are Matthews and Marner. They have been since day one when they arrived. They continue to be today in terms of how good they are, what they're capable of doing, and where they are in their careers. 
Right? They're both mid-20s yep. in their prime. They, and they've Matthews, both been through the ringer. Matthews looked good right from the start last game. Oh, I know you were on the panel, but I'm, I'm watching the game thinking, okay, there's a clip O's probably going to pull of Matthews early on. There he is flying around again. And you could kind of see as the game, like it, was, it wasn't a slow build. Like he had his legs under him right away, which I thought was, was different than games that we've seen Matthews this year where maybe he hasn't necessarily had it. He had it right from the drop of the puck last night. His best games, and I've watched every shift of that cat his whole NHL career, he has had some games, and I have weird, I have a weird memory, I have a good memory, but like, he played a game in Buffalo two or three years ago. I'm telling you, it was the best game he ever played. I might do a short story or a documentary on his performance that night because it was so good. I'd like to see that. Right from the drop of the puck, he had it all night long and he just it was kind of like his first ever goal where he stripped the puck from Carlson it was like he was stripping pucks from guys he got it back he was physical in the corners I'm telling you it was his best game ever and I might do something with that game later but that like that's what you got to do man and that's what he's capable of that's the he's thing. such a horse and when he's moving and cutting through the neutral zone and getting after it in the corners the guy's unstoppable and people think I'm goofing around when I title him the second best player in the world when he's dialed in he is and it's not even a question well i think i remember that game i think he scored the ot i think he scored the winner didn't he with like it was like a 3-2 game in the slot i'm not sure but that all the i know pass, was it, the casperi kapan and drop pass to matt and it was that gross release i don't know all i know oh. it was in buffalo and it mm-hmm. was 2 to 3 years ago and he was just incredible like every time he stepped on the ice and i fully understand you can't do that every night you, you just can't but you want to be clicking at a rate where that's coming up a lot. Right, it has to, right? Like McDavid does it almost every night, and he's a freak of nature. But he's it's getting almost, pretty darn close, isn't he, Hazy B? He sure is. And, and even if you take him out of it, dry settles pretty close, right? And last year, Matthews yeah. was pretty close. And I saw this uh, stat earlier, Terry Koshan tweeting out, that Matthews scored the winner last night. And um, he has 51 game winners in 464 games. Sundin is the franchise leader. He had 79 winners in 981 games. So you, you do the math on that. Like, Matthews is now 28 game winners behind him, and he's played less than half the games mm-hmm. that Matt's played. So and you, and you talked about McDavid bringing the A stuff the majority of the nights. And if it's not the A stuff, it's the B plus B plus button is activated, and that means you, you you pick up an assist in the power play in the third period, and you score an empty netter, and that's your B. And plus his game. his B plus is better than a lot of players A plus ninety five percent players in the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this is this kind of speaks to how good the Leafs are. Okay, there's been nights where Marner and Matthews have not been what McDavid and Drysital are, but the Leafs are a better team, have a better record, right? And if like, Marner's been unbelievable. He really has been. Like, we should be talking about him top 10 in the league easily, maybe closing in on top five players in the league right now. That's how good this guy's been. If Matthews is playing at that, like you say, oh, second best player in the league, that does so much for this team. Like, it really does. With the year that Marner's been having, he's unbelievable. Well, that's how it's built, right? Like, you, you put the whiteboard up. And you you realize if you want to win, you need everyone in their slot to play as well as they possibly can. And that starts with your best guy, or else it doesn't work. 
You know, it has to trickle down. You you need your best players being your best players. And Matthews was really good last night. Marner was outstanding. Again, I thought Bunting was good. Yarncroke was good. Um, I, I think the McCabe and Brody pairing, that's going somewhere. Like, that's probably what you're looking at in the future. That, that was Muzzin and Brody in the first yeah. round last year. I think it's going to be McCabe and Brody this year. They played more minutes than anyone else on the back end last night. I like McCabe. Yeah, isn't it nice to see someone like a little extra? He's got a little snarl back there. He's a little extra physical at times. Like he, he's he's a gamer, man, and he doesn't like he moves the puck smooth. I would say like there's no panic to his game. Yeah, and that is what they had in Muzzin. You know, when Muzzin was playing well, and and now they got McCabe at at two more years after this at two million. Like if he can fit in as a top four shutdown grizzled veteran type that that could be a steal at that kind of money so at least they're are back in action saturday when mcdavid and the oilers do roll through town edmonton is in uh, boston tomorrow night that's going to be a big one the raptors are in la playing the clippers tonight we might have to revisit steve Ballmer's audio from yesterday he's really jacked up about this new stadium he's building Dude, the toilets he loves toilets he <laughs> loves toilets he wants toilets everywhere Can we take a break and play the toilet clip all right we'll play some toilets uh courtesy of steve Ballmer. we got trey wingo coming up what's his read on aaron Rodgers to the jets what's he making this lamar jackson situation there's a and, lot going on in the nfl and, and danny one dimes. other yeah. and danny dimes i just yes. want to say one thing and i'm going to ask trey the same thing that i asked you yesterday Tell me one reason why this was the right thing to do. Because right. you couldn't answer it, Hazy B. I gave you answers. I gave you many no. answers. You didn't want That's, to hear them. That subject yesterday is where this went to this. Handshake <laughs> <laughs> to a thumbs down. That was disappointing. I never thought I'd see the day, but it happened. All right, Trey Wingo's coming up. Mike Johnson will join us again. Johnny called the game last night. He's coming up just after five. Role play level of concern at 5.30. Frankie Corrado in here with the O-Dog Jeff O'Neill. I'm Brian Hayes. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on the TSN app. Crypto.com Arena. But it'll be the uh, Intuit Dome in a couple of years. So they got to go through L.A. and play the Clippers at Crypto this year, next year, and then the year after that. They'll be hanging out with Steve Ballmer in his new dome, <laughs> and there'll be toilets everywhere, and everyone's going to be excited. Who takes account, like... I am starting with the help of my buddy to understand building a little bit, but who, like, to think of something cool to rip off of the drawings and speak to the fans, why would you pick the toilets? He's, Larry, he's buddies with Larry David. That's the only logical explanation why you would be obsessed with toilets in a building. I wouldn't downplay that. We're going to play it in a moment. If you missed it yesterday, you'll understand why we're going here. I hear you, oh, because it's not sexy, it's not flashy, but there's a weird thing about Bomber. The guy's worth like $100 billion, but he so you're seems... you're saying weird things just kind of get him fired up? It just, he seems like a, a normal, energetic guy that just kind of owns a small business and it loves interacting with people and tries to speak to the common man. You know, like there's something about him where you're like, this guy's just always jacked up. He's <laughs> always going crazy he's hyper all the time and pretty cool pretty cool and he's wearing his jeans and a golf shirt and a tuck and a and a brown belt from winners you know it just it's a, he doesn't look like a guy who's got a hundred billion I know. he looks like the kind of guy who would complain on his way home about missing a big shot because he had to wait for toilets to become available and this was him dropping the mic letting the world know 
This is going international. This is Los Angeles. This is Steve Ballmer, one of the richest guys in the world. Clippers, worth a fortune. They're a couple years out from opening up their new stadium. And this is what everyone wants to hear about. Steve Ballmer, this is what had him buzzing yesterday. Toilets! 1160 toilets and urinals! Three times the NBA and the number of toilets and urinals! We do not want people waiting in line. We want them to get back to their damn seats! Toilets! No, but Just he knew it toilets. was like it was three times the average. Like yeah. he knows the average crappers in buildings. Dude, I it, wonder if he knows the average of anything else no, in the building. He doesn't. <laughs> Probably not. It know. was it was like he spent time on a construction site up in Keswick and like knows the gossip around certain things and guys have been complaining that they can't get to the pisser in time at the Scotiabank oh. Arena. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, what's your big gripe? You know, just, hey, Rick, tell me. Gary, quick. Bob, Mike, what do you got? And it's always the same thing. And he's like, well, that's what I'm going to hammer away on. I am so excited. <laughs> the guy's always excited. I know. And he's he had to have the hard excited. hat on, hey? He had to have that hard that hat That was a lot. Too. Uh, totally unnecessary. No, no one in the media probably had it on. He had the goofy And no one was going to go up to the guy that's paying for everything and say, hey, you got to put the hard hat on. Yeah, no sorry, kidding. Fire you. Yeah. If you're going to have the press conference. Yeah. You know, all the pigeons you know around what? him, they, they got to put the hard hat you, on. But that guy, no way. The no. kind of energy... He had when he requested that hard hat was ten out of ten. Like right, he didn't that just was mandatory. he didn't just go to someone. You guys have a hard hat hanging around. It was I need a hard hat. <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited for the hard hat. And you're right. He wanted because it's part of the whole shtick. Yeah, you know he's an energetic, excitable, everyday guy, blue collar guy who just happens to have a hundred billion in the bank. Just happens to have a hundred. The only difference between him and Rick from Keswick is a hundred. It's the only difference. Yeah, it's really, which is a substantial difference. Yeah. Right? It is. It's not something that, you know, you necessarily need to blow past without mentioning. It's worthy of a detail. But um, he is a different cat. Like, he is a very unique, different owner. And I don't know if it's going to mean anything for the Clippers. I could say this. If you're on that team, it is going to be A-plus, right? A-plus treatment across the board. Um, All right, Trey Wingo will join us here in just a moment. All right, we got Trey on the line, and and Trey's doing everything these days. He's the host of the Half Forgotten History podcast. He's an analyst for the 33rd team and Pro Football Network, and he's back on Overdrive. How you doing, Trey? Good, guys. How are you? We're doing well. Thank you. Uh, Are you a Steve Ballmer fan? How do you feel about that dude out in L.A.? Um, Well, I'm a Steve Ballmer fan in the sense that I'd like to be able to make the life choices he's making. Yes. Valid. I'm not a huge fan of his dancing. <laughs> what about his knowledge of toilets in arenas? Um, you know what? Sure. Why wouldn't we all have all kinds of intimate information about that? Yes. Well, if you're building a place, you need to know that kind of stuff, I guess, and, and announce it to the world, and he did that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious with this Aaron Rodgers New York Jets story. It, it, is, it feels as if the Jets are just putting all their chip, chips in on Rodgers. Is that a dangerous strategy how big of a gamble is this for new york well i mean it's a it's a dangerous strategy if he doesn't want to go but the, is it is it a less dangerous strategy than saying well we'll just hope zach wilson gets better after two years of sucking right i mean they have to do something because it's pretty clear that they were wrong on zach wilson i mean i don't think that's 
uh, debatable at this point. Is it fixable? Maybe. Uh, but we haven't seen anything from Zach to suggest that yet. And quite frankly, maybe the best thing for Zach is to have him be a part of a trade somewhere and get him out of there. But, yeah, this is an all-or-nothing thing, absolutely, there in Rodgers, because, they, you know, Derek Carr was the Jets going to be the Jets' backup plan anyway if they didn't get Rodgers. He's off the table. And so now, if you don't go get Aaron Rodgers, what is your next option? Do you jump in on Lamar when weirdly suddenly no one seems interested in a former MVP at the age of 26? Or do you go the Jimmy Garoppolo route because Robert Sala and, and Jimmy have history with San Francisco? So, yeah, this is a pushing my cards to the center of the table move without a question for the Jets. What's the Lamar story, Trey? Is it something where this guy, the casual fan, sees the natural ability and what he's able to do? Is there some type of dirty secret out there about him that teams are shying away because you would think, think in any other circumstance that they'd be frothing at the mouth to get a shot at this guy. So, so what's up with the whole situation? Well, that's, I think, what a lot of people want to know, right? I mean, he's 26 years old. He's a former MVP, mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a franchise quarterback on the open market. Just remember, it was less than a year ago, or right about a year ago, when all these teams that very quickly and publicly, we should point out when asked, they didn't just put that out there, they were asked by people, saying they're out of the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, and they were sure as hell seemed like they were all in on Deshaun Watson, who is, by every measure, doesn't have the resume of Deshaun, of Lamar Jackson, is not as young as Lamar Jackson, and, oh, by the way, has 25 sexual assault lawsuits going against him. Um, so I find it very fascinating that all these teams that couldn't have been more in on Deshaun Watson suddenly want no part of Lamar Jackson. And there are certainly valid reasons that you can... Well, he's been injured the last couple of years. Is his style of play going to be more conducive to injury? Uh, are we concerned about that? And you can say that, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes rolled his ankle playing, playing from the pocket in, a, in the AFC Divisional game and somehow limped his way to a second straight Super Bowl. Joe Burrow runs a lot, and he tore his ACL in his, in his rookie year, and he's come back and played fine. Um, it, it, what I'm most curious about is how are the Ravens so confident that they they knew this was going to be the market for Lamar Jackson, that they were willing to put the non-exclusive tag on it. Like To me, that's the one question I want to know. How were the Ravens so adept in understanding what other teams would want about their quarterback before he was ever even put out there? That, I think, is a very interesting question. Trey, how much does Lamar not having an agent weigh into this? Because you kind of, like... You hear the numbers get filtering out, right? Like the Ravens want to give him 130 million, he wants 200 million. You never know what to believe. But if this guy had like a, a real agent working for him, don't you think this could be done by now? Yes, I, I completely agree, and that's a great point. People will say, "Well, the Ravens got a deal done with Roquan Smith, and he doesn't have an agent, and he got a five-year, hundred million dollar deal, even though it's not bad, as we all know these NFL contracts are basically about guaranteed money." But it's one thing to negotiate an inside linebacker's contract. It is completely different to negotiate a quarterback contract in a league where the quarterback is essentially everything and half the league needs an upgrade. It absolutely is hurting Lamar Jackson. And, you know, maybe we're learning from all these contracts that have been coming out recently. Uh, You know, the Kyler Murray deal seems like a disaster. We all saw what the Deshaun Watson contract was and, and all the money that he got guaranteed. And it was, I also find it very interesting, guys, that the first 
owner to say anything publicly about the Deshaun Watson contract. About a year ago, this time, was Ravens owner Steve Bishotti. He said he thought it was a terrible contract for the league. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting that that was his opinion when he knew he had to negotiate with Lamar, and suddenly the market at the moment for Lamar is very quiet. Now, we got to say we are in the infancy of this whole thing, okay? He, uh, Lamar controls a lot of this because he can't be traded to a team, which is what would, would happen in this situation, until he signs the tender, Then, because the Ravens don't have his rights. And they have until July 17th or 15th, I think it is, to work out a long-term deal. Otherwise, he plays on the one-term tender or the one-year, the one-year tender on the non-exclusive. But, you know, there's, there's no incentive for Lamar to do any of that right now. Uh, I, I think we were all thought that there might be a flood of offers in early. I think there's going to be a little more due diligence about this because I do believe there's something to the idea of other teams not wanting to do the Ravens' work for them. Like, let's say they work out a great contract and it's all set and good to go, and the Ravens say, oh, that's what the market is? Okay, fine, we can match it. We'll pay you. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, just take the, two, take, the, take the top two picks or the two one picks that you get, right? Well, there's about a 60% fail rate that quarterbacks taken in the first round. In fact, from 2015 to 2017, of the top two quarterbacks drafted, or 2018, rather, only one quarterback that was one of the top two quarterbacks drafted is still with the team that drafted him, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Everybody else has moved on, and Carson Wentz has moved on five times, okay? So it's just not so easy to say, we'll just take the draft picks and find a franchise quarterback. They have one in Baltimore, and I find it really interesting that they let it get to this because they catered that offense to Lamar Jackson. They, they, everything they did was built around how Lamar plays. And now you're just going to let that sort of go up in smoke. That's really weird. Trey, Daniel Jones doesn't enter my brain space a lot, but yesterday he got <laughs> up there and he spent a few hours there. And I guess like, as a former athlete, I understand like you got to get paid, and there's comparables. And if that guy gets it, you do too. Just as you just talked about with other quarterback contracts, but I, I seem to have a difficult time wrapping my head around an executive saying, "Well, we got to pay somebody, so we might as well give it to him." When ultimately, I don't know how far he takes you, and I don't know if you win with him. Therefore, why that much money? I guess Kirk Cousins is another example. Can can you explain the whole? Daniel Jones scenario to me. Yeah, it made it look, guys, it made the, all the sense in the world uh, for the Giants to do this. And here's why it's really a two year deal. It's a two year deal with $82 million guaranteed. Okay. The rest of it, four years, it's all window dressing, how you massage the cap, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this is a two year deal for $82 million. Okay. And what's better for the Giants? To have someone that proved he can win with nobody at wide receiver. I mean, can you name three of the Giants wide receivers from last year? Take all the time you need. Can you name I don't. I, I didn't no, do enough can't. research to, to name that. But <laughs> Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's throwing to literal, like, humans that might have been, you know, a, a financial advisor three weeks ago. So, so Trey, no you're telling receivers. me if he gets the weapons in, in, in Arsenal, he could be the guy that can take them on their way to paradise. No, I don't think they believe that either. I think they believe oh that my, that's my point about this whole thing. That's why it drives me nuts. It's a two-year solution. It's literally a two-year contract. It's not a four-year, $160 million contract. It's a two-year solution for the Giants who made the playoffs last year and won a playoff game 
to get some stability at the most important position in football, which allows them to put the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley, which is way more important how the Giants want to win. And you don't want to overpay for Saquon as a running back. I'd much rather overpay at the quarterback in a contract that can be massaged than throw a bunch of money at the running back position, which is the most interchangeable position in sports. All right. There you have it. Danny Dimes. We'll see what he brings to New York over the next two years. We'll see if he'll be joined by Aaron Rodgers in New York, uh, likely in the next couple of weeks if that goes down. He is Trey Wingo, host of the Half Forgotten History Podcast and analyst for the 33rd team in Pro Football Network. Always great catching up with you, Trey. Thank you for doing this. You got it, guys. Take care. Trey Wingo. Yeah, there you go. Two years. That's what he's saying. Giants don't believe it. No one believes it, but they don't have another option, so you get two years. Here's some money. I'm $36 million signing bonus. Yeah. Year one. See what happens, right? That's the nature of being a quarterback. Like well, quarterbacks. That's I mean, the thing that's but conflicting. Just the, the one sentence that Trey said, he's like, they don't, they know they can't win with him either. And it's like, there's a right. check for thirty. He's not elite, million. but it's the NFC. You know, it's dude, the NFC. I get yes. it. I heard all your stats yesterday. I just find it incredible that you want to give a guy a signing bonus for thirty-six million dollars. I would rather have Jim Taddy at quarterback than paying a guy. Thirty-six million that Dude, I this don't is, think is going to win. This is this is the uh, this is the thing that's conflicting about all these guys: Lamar, Kyler, Danny Dimes. Who else are you going to go get? You can go be the Carolina Panthers and stink and have a million different quarterbacks come in. But if you have a guy and you think he's somewhat good, don't you have to just pay the guy and be like, "There's no one else. There's no one else you can go get unless you draft a stud." and that guy develops into a stud. There's no one else for you. Well, that's the reality. Now, Rodgers could be available. Lamar is available. But I, I, what I gather here and what Trey was saying, and, and I talked about it a little bit yesterday, I get the sense like the Ravens have almost told the whole league and told Lamar. Red flag. Well, no, I think it's we're done trying to figure you out. You know, you're your own agent or your mom's your agent, and it's getting annoying. Go find the deal, and then we'll just match it, and that'll be it. Right, like it, it, it's almost like what Carolina did with Aho. Go find it somewhere else, and we're just going to match it so we don't have to worry about it because right. it's bothering yeah. us. Yeah. We can't come to terms. Or there's other scenarios where a manager will say, "I tried to trade you, but nobody wants you." That's the worst. I, I, That's I so tried gutless. to trade you, right? And it's sometimes it's true. It's like, okay, I want out of here. Yeah, nobody. There's wants no way you. it applies to. To Jackson, though, when you no consider way. no, any dimes no, no, getting no. money, Derek Carr just got a red carpet tour around North but America. That's the thing. If, if you're if you're Lamar, how are you not looking at it, thinking Danny Dimes got what he got, Kyler got what he got, Watson's in a different like no one, no other team is that desperate like Cleveland is. But how is it not two hundred million? Well, and, and it's a done that's deal. It. I I think the one, the one mistake up. he's probably got, and I think the one one contract that chaps his ass is the Deshaun Watson yes, one. Yes, of no course. Question. But that, and it's th- not that was under circumstances that are really awkward and very rare. Yes. And that's why that contract was delivered the way it was. And that's probably one, Hayes, wouldn't you agree, that he's got to get out of his mind because he might not be getting that. Yes, that and that is... What has become clear is that even the owner in Baltimore said that's a joke. The other owners hate the owner in Cleveland, hate him because of this, because of what that guy just did. He, he gave Deshaun Watson the most guaranteed money in NFL history when Deshaun had not played. You talk about red flags. This guy, everything about his, his off-the-field issue is a, or uh, persona is a problem right now. He hadn't played in a year. 
when he played, he was very good. He still wasn't Mahomes. Like, he was a legit top seven or eight guy. He was a stud. And I think he likely gets back there. But this is not Patrick Mahomes. No. Tom Brady in his prime. This isn't Peyton Manning in his prime. It's just a, a very good to elite quarterback who got the most guaranteed money ever, even with all of the other issues. And I understand why Lamar sits there and says, that's a joke. I can understand why Mahomes or Allen or Burrow might look at it and say, are you kidding me? It's such an outlier. It shouldn't even count on any kind of comparable. That's the thing. The other owners are just going to say we're not doing that. And that is where the collusion is going to happen. doesn't mean these guys can't all get a ton of money and guaranteed cash won't go up and up and up with every single contract. It will. But using Watson, to your point, oh, I think it's it would be sound advice to say erase that from your memory. Pretend it didn't oh, yeah. happen yeah. because it doesn't apply. Um, anyway, thanks to Trey Wingo. Mike Johnson coming up in about 20 minutes. Uh, role play level of concern. Todd Lewis of the Golf Channel ahead of the players. We've got a lot cooking this afternoon. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050. Online TSN 1050.ca. Johnny was in Jersey last night calling that game on TSN. Got his take on Matthews, Marner, Samsonov, among others. Also New Jersey. You know, that's that's a good team. They're a young team. They're a fast team. And they're on their way to the playoffs. And it's interesting what's going on in the East. Like, you know, the, the Rangers have kind of fallen off, right? Like Carolina and New Jersey have separated a little bit. And the Rangers have not done a great job of implementing Tarasenko and Kane and into that lineup. And you look at Tampa, they've had issues, although they won big last night. And see, Tony D'Angelo, I thought I saw he got two games. He did. That spear on. little cup check there. Corey, yeah, just a little shot at Corey Perry. Something Perry probably has done. Well, that's the at thing. different like, parts of his the, career. If, if we can rewind the tape to 2000, I don't know, you want to pick a year, 8, 9, 10, there's mm-hmm. got to be something out there with Corey Perry yeah, doing something How do you think like you're that. honestly going to get it? I think he used the term because he – address the media and i'll give him credit for that but he was like it wasn't intended for that it's like (laughs) what are you talking about you speared the guy in the nuts through the crowd too like he knew who he was travel distance to do it yeah which is alarming trying to get him and he got him and you know i i in slow-mo it doesn't actually look like vicious but it's so blatantly intentional that there's no explanation for it, and it's dude, it's the pill. Like it's guys getting a stick in the pills. It doesn't matter how slow mo or not. Like oh, it it it's definitely leaves a mark for sure. It's not and, good. And again, it's just it's so intentional. Yeah, it's so blatantly intentional. Stop. I thought play. I was gonna have to get a, a security like armored car like the Pope to take me back to the hotel in Montreal. I. I guess I kind of am going to sound like D'Angelo, but I accidentally speared Saku Koivu right in the nuts in the playoffs. <laughs> and it was right when he came back, and oh, no. I was so hated. I thought I was going to have to get security to bring me back to the hotel. Yeah, that, that I felt would be so tough. bad. I That'd felt so bad. That well, was so yeah. emotional when he returned, and Montreal was... The time where it may be an accident, oh, is if you're, like, boxing someone out or you're kind of going cross-checks and you... Your stick gets twisted. And- it's never an accident. I'm sorry. Even Go, from the, bridge. Box Go from the bridge. See if you can find that. It was playoffs. Canes, Habs. There's no such thing as an accidental spear. So, you, per- you, so you on purpose did it. 
Well, I guess. I don't know. It <laughs> you was, said it was an accident. You were doing something <laughs> in, intentionally. You were trying to ride him out. We'll see if we can find it. We'll have a full My lawyer down. says, I was trying to do something, and it came out the wrong way. Right. Mm. Plead the fifth on that if you have to. Um, statute of limitations. It's over anyway. You can't be suspended. All right, Mike Johnson coming up. And role play level of concern at 530. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050, soon to be up on TSN 4.